Hello, and welcome back to our podcast, Where Do I Know Them From? The show where every season we pick a different actor and we watch their entire filmography. This season, season three, is Tessa Thompson. That's T-T-T, three, Tessa Thompson. Boom. Alliteration. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Alexandra. And once again this week, Alexandra has our Letterboxd reviews. And they're spicy. Let's go. Two stars. Should have been lesbian porno since that's what it was written, shot, and acted entitled like. (laughs) stars sad we never got a sequel about tessa thompson starting her own demonic sorority wow so true and finally two stars simply does not have the sauce that halloween town has honestly real yeah those are two radically different films oh yeah Um, they are so why one person would watch this movie they don't even have overlapping cast to my knowledge so why one person would watch this why amazon or whatever would recommend you this movie if you liked halloween town i would suggest the algorithm re algorithm itself i think the one similarity is that halloween town and this movie were both abc family month of halloween movies they're both tv movies although halloween town was not an abc family movie though and this is an abc family movie that's fair i'm pretty sure halloween Oh, but Disney owns ABC. Interesting. You're right. They both would have played on ABC Family. Yeah, just not the same year. During Halloween. So this movie was The Initiation of Sarah. It came out in 2006, and it is the first TV movie that we are reviewing for this podcast, because none of the other ones have ever been available. Because we could find it. Shout out to YouTube pirates. Honestly, it is criminal that this one was available. I wish that it had not been. Me as well. All right, Alexandra, tell us more about this movie. Well... It was directed by Stuart Gillard. Of course, this movie was directed by a man. Everything about the review that says should have been a lesbian porno and then directed by a man named Stuart lines up one hundo P. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was screenwritten by two other men and woman. Daniel Berenson, Tom Holland, not the actor, the famous horror writer. Notably. As well as Carol Saraceno. It was edited by Robin Bustle. And it is based on the 1978 film of the same name by Robert Day. It is kind of a loose remake in that they change a lot of things. You may be thinking to yourself, wasn't the last movie they reviewed also a remake, a shitty remake of a 1970s movie? And you would be correct. Yes. This is becoming a theme for us. Letting you guys in on the behind the movie magic, we recorded these episodes on the same day. So this was a lot of shitty 70s remakes for us in one specific week. Some of us, some brave souls, both of us watched them on the same day. We watched them on the same day as well, which you will know if you follow us on Letterboxd. Follow us on Letterboxd. Thanks. Notably, I did not watch the original movie of this one, even though I definitely could have because it's easier to find the YouTube version of the 2006 one. True. But probably the 1978 version of The Initiation of Sarah was also better just like when a stranger calls probably some major changes were made one sarah has a twin in this movie in the original movie she has a friend oh okay word also in the original movie sarah dies at the end and in this movie sarah survives whoa so we're making some really big changes you may be thinking to yourself weren't there some major changes in the other one last time yes there were remakes tend to get shittier and worse and whoa 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 that calm down put some respect on rebecca Okay, you know what? Rebecca was good, but it wasn't a TV movie. This is why you should listen to our podcast for fun movie recommendations. This movie was 89 minutes long and it had a lot of actors in it for this no This movie was reason. only two minutes longer than When a Stranger Calls. Yes. It felt like eight years. 
it I this movie felt like it took me all day to watch and like I was doing other things so maybe that's on me but this movie felt so long easily yeah, I did. thought we were at the end three times it was too much it takes a place over the course of like a week too like holy shit this was too long yeah just over rush week so the major actors include Morgan Fairchild who plays Trina Goodwin Trina Goodwin notably not the main character Correct. Mika Borum plays Sarah Goodwin, who is the main character. And Summer Glau, who is more famous than her, plays Lindsay Goodwin, her twin sister. Who is more famous than her now, but at the time. Joanna Garcia plays Kareen. You may know her from The Ultimatum. (laughs) Joanna Garcia is the host of the Netflix reality television program, The Ultimatum. And The Ultimatum Queer Love. Are you joking me? No, I'm not kidding. She's also in a bunch of other movies, like what? Revenge of the Bridesmaids. It's that one with Raven Simone. She's in a bunch of ABC Family movies. She's like a really famous ABC Family actress. She's probably the most notable one from the movie. And the guy that plays Finn was in a bunch of ABC Family movies also. Oh, my God. Yeah. Besides Tessa okay. Thompson, obviously. Finn's honestly, not even in here. When is Tessa Thompson going to host a reality dating show? <laughs> Never. <laughs> she has better things That's to fair. do. Okay. Well, put some respect on Joanna Garcia. Anyway, so Joanna Garcia plays Corrine. You'll notice that I say Corrine, the most obnoxious possible way to pronounce the name Corinne. Tessa Thompson plays Esme, not Esme, Esme. Yep. And finally, Jennifer Tilly plays Eugenia Hunter, another name that I think is pronounced wrong it's in this so movie. so that you know that they're I old. had to write down how to pronounce the names in this movie. <laughs> I wrote down how to pronounce them too because I was like, that's ridiculous. Particularly as, as me. me. I was like, as, as you, me, as, as us, me. as we, as us, as, as Mo, as May, as Mondo. The score is okay. by John Van Tongeren and it was produced by Sarah Beresford, Hudson Hickman, Craig Rosler, Ido Limpton NX Jr., quite a name, Karen S. Spiegel, and MGM Television. It was distributed, of course, by ABC Family because it was a TV movie. And your plot, one sentence, short and sweet, a sorority girl unwittingly becomes the focus of a battle between good and evil. And I think that's spot on. Nothing to add, really. The point is that Sarah and her sister go to this university. Their mom, who they don't know, is their stepmom. No, she's not even their stepmom. She's She's their aunt or an adopted mother. mother. Yeah, she's not actually the mother. She's not related to them. Nor does she have their best no, intentions. not at all. She's kind of a terrible mom. She wants them to join the sorority Alpha Nu because it is the best sorority. It's, it's where the popular girls go. And they are told you cannot join Phi Epsilon, Epsilon Delta because that's where all the weird girls go, the rejects. And this is the premise, is that both of them are witch cults. And one of them is an Earth witch cult, Pi Epsilon Delta. And one of them is a energy draining witch cult and this is alpha new or yes or, or the one that they're supposed to be joining alpha new alpha gamma. gamma thank you both of the cults really want both of the girls they specifically both want sarah because she is the more powerful one they think that she is the one like a capital t capital o the one who is supposed to be able to for alpha new like power them for the rest of the century or whatever because they've been losing power whereas of course pipes lon delta wants her because they have her best intentions at heart for sure, because they don't need to be powered since they are powered by Mother Nature. And so the whole movie is them trying to manipulate both she and her twin sister, Lindsay, into joining their sorority. Lindsay ultimately joins Alpha Nu and is almost sacrificed because they decide that she is actually the one. Sarah joins Pi Epsilon Delta, and there's a final battle in which she kills the president of Alpha Nu and saves her sister. And then they all go out and hunt 
all of the members of Alpha Nu, except Tessa Thompson, who is the vice president of Alpha Nu, and goes off to form her like sequel demon, Witch Gold. Yeah, she somehow like escapes all of the the murderous rage of the Pi Epsilon Deltas, and she finds like the last ember of the eternal flame that powered their scary vessel cult. And she like takes it out into the world to go start her own sequel, as you might remember from yeah. the Letterboxd review. So there you go. That's that's what happens. Lots of other things happen that we yeah. will talk about in the from point A to point B. But yeah, it's, that's the, the plot. plot is the girls are fighting. Yes, the plot is demonizing sorority women. And I mean that literally. That's a better plot summary than the one we've just done. It's a better Letterboxd review than the one I yeah. gave it. But uh, this movie, of course did not do so well because it was a TV movie. Cinema crazed panned the remake as being overly bland. They said that it was so lost in its own attempts to mimic a certain show about yakking women that it can't find its own niche. And I think that is just a very funny, very 2006 quote. It has no tomato meter score. because <laughs> It sucked. It has a 50% from the audience, which is, I think, crazy high. It has kind of a cult following. <laughs> it is unlisted on Metacritic, unsurprising. It has five out of 10 stars on IMDb. And 2.9 stars on Letterboxd. All of these audience scores are way higher now than listen, it should be. I will give this movie some credit. For the rest of this episode, I'm going to be giving this movie credit. So when I reveal my rating of it at the end, you guys are going to be absolutely floored. But I just need you to know that I feel like I need to defend this film. I feel like this movie makes perfect sense if you were an executive at ABC Family in 2006. Because like... TV shows like Greek and Supernatural are like ridiculously popular and making all kinds of money. All this content about girls gone wild, pretty little liars, just like this general idea of college and high school age women are like up to no good. They have like a secret life of the American teenager. (laughs) And like you never know what's happening behind closed doors. And also, there are werewolves and demons and witches and shit. All of that was like super ridiculously popular. So I understand how like an executive in 2003 or whenever they would have started making this movie, walking into a boardroom and being like, what if we remade the initiation of Sarah? I can understand how that idea would have been really popular and how this movie could have done well upon its release to the point where it would have been like re-released on ABC Family Halloweens and stuff. So I could understand how one might like this movie. It obviously does not hold up and it is obviously not as good as the original, but the original was also like a real movie and this is a teen or a TV movie. The original one was also a TV movie. What? Sorry, I can understand how it would be a good idea. It just doesn't hold up. I think honestly that the premise, because every single woman in this movie is a witch or has some sort of witchy powers. And I think honestly, it makes sense. Little girls, like girls under the age of seven are some of the most witchy people you'll ever meet. They are always out there brewing potions and stuff like that. I think all can be witches. Fine premise. Did this movie deliver on that premise? No. Yeah, it definitely like it had the potential to be really good. You know what's crazy is that it had the potential to be a good TV mm. show. Like there are all these little side characters and you could have really developed mm-hmm. them and like it had the potential to have some really good like world building, but instead it was just like women are magical, but sometimes magic is bad, just like sometimes people are bad. And for that reason, these girls wear red and kill people. Literally, oh my god. And these girls wear white and don't kill people. The colors were so simple. The evil ones wore red and they had red spilled on them. One time Sarah spilled a cup of red liquid, possibly blood, possibly wine punch on Kareen, the president. And it was like, blood? 
all over her chest. And then the other one during their initiation were white. Wow. So crazy. Also, notably, they were white because they had to look like virgins, yeah. which is important because they could only be sacrificed if they were virgins. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I have a whole lot of things to say about, about that. the virgin stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so much of this movie is about sexual purity in a way that can only be achieved by ABC Family. Somehow, something so aggressively, I don't know, it's so obsessed with sexual purity, but not in like a... ABC Family content is obsessed with sexual purity in the way that teenage girls are. They're not obsessed with preserving it. They're obsessed with the concept of it. Who is virginal and who is not virginal and like not even in a cool way where we deconstruct what virginity means. It's literally just like the worst thing you can call someone is a virgin. And in this movie, the virgins get dead. They get yacked. So the only way to protect... She literally has sex with her boyfriend so that he won't be able to be sacrificed to the evil sorority women. And I think that is so funny. Literally at some point in this movie... No, but not enough people the are quote, laughing. Your breath smells like virgin is used as an insult. And I think that that kind of sums up what Elizabeth was just talking about. Yeah. Like the whole movie is that part of Clueless where she's like, you're a dumb virgin who can't drive. And it's like, yes, I am. (laughs) And for that reason, they're going to beat me up. They're going to get me. I don't know. Honestly, can't believe that ABC Family didn't make this movie the first time. This movie does have so much sex in it. For a TV movie that shows no sex scenes, there's a lot of sex going on. The reason that their not mom drops them off at college is because their real mom was sacrificed by the witches or she was they tried to sacrifice her. The witches in Alpha Nu originally thought that their mom was the one capital T capital O the one and they couldn't sacrifice her because she wasn't a virgin because she was pregnant with twins. And so they kept her alive until she was full term and they delivered her babies and then murdered her immediately to get rid of her. And then the babies were raised by so- an alum <laughs> of the sorority. Yeah, we're getting into it. We'll get into the sorority politics of this later. I have some things but to say. But also, like, the president of Alpha Nu tries to or pretends to sleep with Sarah's RA, who she's trying to date, Finn. Sarah notably later has sex with Finn, who becomes her boyfriend because she wants him to not be a virgin so he can't be sacrificed. Off screen. Here's what happens. The PEDs, the Pi Epsilon Deltas, realize the evil plot of the Alpha Nu Gammas. They're like, oh my god, they're going to try kidnap my boyfriend and, like, whatever like they realize what's up and that they're trying to sacrifice virgins to harness their power which by the way is really giving in monsters inc when they would steal people's screams but anyway (laughs) so they realize this plot sarah turns to her friend and she's like everyone else is leaving the room in the same direction and sarah turns to leave the room in a different direction and her friend is like where are you going and she's like i'm going to protect finn and she's like how and she's like the only way that I know that he'll be safe. And that's it. That's the only indication you get that they have sex. It happens off screen. You never see them have a conversation or anything about it. And I just think that's bonkers. That's crazy bonkers bananas. Your girlfriend, who, by the way, is freshly 18. She is freshly illegal. You are easily a year older than her, if not more, because, oh, by the way, you're also her resident advisor. And she comes to you and she's like, by the way, these sororities are actually ancient cults and they want to kill you because you're a dumb virgin who can't run. <laughs> the only way, the only way that I can save you from getting dead by these women is if we have sex right now. 
I cannot believe that a man greenlit that. I guess maybe I can, but... I just want to revise something that I said earlier because I realized I told you all that the president of Alpha Nu tried to sleep with Finn. It wasn't the president. It was the president of PED, who is also a professor at the university. Listen, that's what I wanted Karine. to say. No way she's the president of that organization. That she, like there's no there's no way that she is even allowed to be at sorority sanctioned events and also be a university professor. There's no way she's allowed to serve on the alumni board, be a part of that shit at all. Maybe she's paying dues. Maybe she's paying alumni dues, if that. I honestly think that they wouldn't even let her do that. You can't be an active alumni and work at the campus. That's a conflict of interest. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. The sorority mechanics in this movie, flawed. Where was the Greek life consultant on this? It's fine. I'm not mad. If you guys can't tell, Elizabeth is a Greek life expert as a sorority alum. This is known lore. Real fans know. In addition, though, to like the actual sex that happens, the movie is very sexualized. At one point, some dude, Damien, is asking Lindsay out in front of the vending machine at the gym. Yeah, why is he named? That man I have no idea. He's just some random passerby. He's like staring at her boobs and she says, do I have something on my shirt? And he says, oh, eyes up. I'm sorry. And I was like, Damien? Like, what is going on here? Himbo energy. Also, honestly... The men in this movie, kind of hilarious. Kind of himbo energy. I appreciated the way that they knew nothing at all and did not help. Very hilarious. I think also that yeah. at some point, Kareen brews a love potion, which is possibly why Damien asked Lindsay out. Not sure about that one. Yeah. Oh, defo. That's what's happening. You know, because she like puts his sweat in a cup and then makes him drink it. Imagine being so hot that a man drinks his own sweat. Can you even? Yeah. Are you kidding? Are you joking? It's super gross. This is why they let her host the ultimatum, because if she's hot enough to make a man drink their own sweat, she's also hot enough to get couples to love each other again. I'll also add, I watched this movie with a friend of mine who does a lot of queer theory, and they pointed out and they wanted me to share with everyone here that definitely this movie painted the two sisters as wanting to fuck each other. I'll point it to several articles of evidence because they were pointed out to me. One, in the first scene where they are alone together, they wrestle. In the way that people in teen rom-coms wrestle with members of the opposite sex, but here they are sisters. And it is the same shot, but just with sisters. Two, when they are wrestling, flowers bloom. Flowers that were wilted bloom suddenly. Sexual metaphor. At one point... You might recall this from The Lovely Bones. At one point, Finn says that kissing makes him feel better when his sister sucks. And then he clarifies, in case we needed the clarification, not that I'm kissing my sister. Another connection to her wanting to kiss her sister. Well, it's okay when girls kiss their sister. Yeah. Everything about... Okay, listen. Much like with When a Stranger Calls, I am very reluctant to provide a queer reading of this. Mostly because I don't think that it was considered in the production of this piece. Absolutely not. But, comma, semicolon, however, comma, I will say that it definitely reads queer romance written by straight man. It's definitely lesbianism, lesbian vibes written by a straight white guy. Yeah. In that it's like, ooh, hoo, hoo. it's giving like what men think happens in women's locker rooms or like what men think happens in a sorority. Yeah. Which is truly wild. Like, imagine, you guys, I cannot stress to you enough that all we are doing is fighting with each other and saying that we don't want to wear the baseball jersey to the philanthropy event. Like, nothing, there's no demonic possession happening anywhere and no one is kissing each other. At least not when I was in college. Maybe in cooler places. I was obviously not in the cool sorority where we sacrificed virgins. <laughs> but I'll point to a couple more exhibits of evidence. At one point, they do kiss. Sarah kisses Lindsay on the forehead when she wakes up from her little sleep post almost being sacrificed. Also, at one point, 
Lindsay glows up all of a sudden because she has been because she has decided to join Alpha New, and so they give her like a bimboification. Welcome to Alpha New. We'll give you a boob. Her job. boobs get this bigger. This is in fact her main reason for joining exactly. Alpha New. She says, "I'm not going to join you guys. You're using me as a pawn." And we're like, "Yes, Lindsay, you're so right. Good job." And then Joanna Garcia is like oh but actually look at how pretty you would be if you were an alpha new and she's like wow literally nothing has changed about me except i have bigger hair and bigger boobs and then we're like Lindsay, no don't do it and then Lindsay does it and then sarah touches those bigger boobs more yeah more she does touch stuff. those boobs more than touches she honks them <laughs> she really does yeah she really she really goes in there anyway that's just my plug that the relationship between the sisters is super whack yeah. And shouldn't be like that. everything about this movie is giving maybe the girls want to kiss a little bit, but not in a way that I condone or approve. It's like women can't be friends. They have to want to kiss each other because men don't want to be friends. They only want to kiss each other. You know, yeah. like it's giving misunderstanding of women. Literally, the women can't be friends like they're sisters, but like the women can't be friends because one of them is blonde and one of them is brunette and blondes and brunettes yeah, don't get obviously. along. Just like we said in When the Stranger Calls, it's just like the Western rule where the white hat guy is the good guy and the black hat guy is the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, except in When a Stranger Calls, the blonde girl is the bad guy. But it's okay. In this one, it's really fluid. You know, it's okay. They're just diametrically opposed. Yeah. Much like Earth and Fire or whatever. Just like, yeah, the witches, Earth versus Fire. Yeah. Right? I'm just, look at me, doing some reading. Phenomenal connection. I do think the witchiness in this movie was vaguely interesting, mostly because I could not nail down literally any of the rules. Normally, I feel like when someone is trying to make a witch movie, they will tell you some of the rules right up front. Notably, in Halloween Town, which one of the letterboxed reviews mentioned, they tell you the witch rules immediately. When the main character in in Halloween Town is trying to become a witch, there's like rules and stuff that she has to go through and it's just like do it by a certain age. They don't tell you any of the rules here. Other than Alpha Nu needs to sacrifice someone and so they're gonna and that person has to be a virgin. Oh my gosh, calm down. Those are two very important rules. They also tell you that they tell you a lot more than you need to. Like they tell you where the power is derived from, that they have to sacrifice virgins to get their power. They tell you where PED's power comes Earth. from. They tell you yeah. that they have to be initiated before any of that like matters, you know? Like they have to, you get a little bit of power from just like killing a virgin, but for like the amount of power that they need, they need to like initiate virgins and then kill them. And then they also tell you that the initiations have to be done under like a specific moon, probably a full moon. And that's why they have to all be initiated on Friday. Yeah, I just feel like the types of magic that they were doing, that part wasn't explained. Like at one point, Kareen makes a potion with Lindsay's eyelash. Why have we suddenly started making potions when otherwise we have mostly been doing like force powers and also like everyone in PED can read minds? Oh, that's not true either. Listen. <laughs> okay. I think the implication is that they're open to all kinds of magic because Sarah certainly has lots of different powers. Like she made the flowers grow and she has the little force magic, the little telekinesis type vibes. And then her friend that becomes her like PED sister Mm -hmm. can read people's minds. But before that, she just says that she like has an intuition about Mm -hmm. people. Intuition is like very, very witchy. witchy. And uh, Sarah is like learning how to do all these other things. She says, my sister is tongue kissing the devil and I'm over here learning how to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And then Eugenia Hunter's response to that is like, well, if you were actually pulling a rabbit out of a hat, I would be more impressed. You'd be making progress. So obviously they're learning lots of different kinds of magic. So I think that the lack of 
what kind of magic can you do is more of supposed to be like they can do all kinds of magic. They're very powerful. Women can do anything. Women can do anything, including kill virgins. We don't condone murder on this podcast. They also do like shape shifting, and Tessa Thompson starts a fire in their room at some point, and yeah, there's lots they've of fire got starts, lots of magic. Actually. Okay, you know what? You're right. It doesn't really matter anyway, since it's such a shitty movie. Oh my god, is it such a shitty movie? It doesn't help. The- okay, so both Elizabeth and I watched this, as we have already alluded to, as a YouTube video, and so it was already really blurry. And it was before that a TV movie, so the quality was never that great to begin with. But the particularly Correct. the version that we were watching was really bad. The whole time, also, the script is bad. The acting is not good. The action shots are pretty bad. There's lots of like weird slow-mo and distortion. Like when the vampires move in Twilight, it's like that, yes. but like a lot of the movie. <laughs> like sped up. Yeah. Every time I see that effect, every time I see that effect in film, I think about that guy that I went out with that watched Twilight on two times speed. <laughs> and I'm oh like, what God. must you literally have imagine? What must it have looked like when the vampires ran to go two times as fast? You know, like they're they already really going fast. so fast. I don't know. That's just really silly. But I realized about halfway through this movie that I could have watched it on two times speed. And I think it would have been a better experience for me. It might have been. I just like, yeah, the acting was so mid. Eugenia was putting on some weird ass old timey voice, probably to sound like she was, you know, an ancient witch who had experience doing European mysticism. Therefore, she didn't need a doctorate to teach it. But you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that everyone's acting was actually good. And the problem was the script. Okay. You know what? That's fair. Because I feel like everyone was doing exactly what they were supposed to do and never at any point was like their behavior campy or like over the top for me. I felt like the only problem I had was like the lines. That's totally valid. Also, speaking of how bad the script was, I could not stop thinking because they've spoken Latin several times. I could not stop thinking about is the Latin good? I personally don't speak Latin at all, nor have I ever taken a Latin class. But it's the only thing that I was thinking about when they were speaking Latin was, is this actual Latin or are they just making sounds? I know for a fact that people who have studied Latin can be commissioned to write Latin phrases for things like this. Mostly I know this because one of my professors in college, her husband was like a classics guy. And he would write Latin mottos for, like, newly created private schools that wanted to seem, like, old and have, like, cool Latin mottos. So I'm sure that there's some dude that ABC Family pays that is that has, like, a PhD in Latin or classics or whatever. And he writes the dumb shit for these movies that will eventually become the witchy spells. And Imagine I want to know what guy. they say. I hope that it's like a grocery list or it's some shit like, and then the dog came home and died. Like, I just want it really badly to be like random phrases from, I don't know, what's a Latin epic? The Aeneid? Honestly, that would be like a fun Easter egg for people who do speak Latin is if all the Latin in horror movies was literally just like some random shit, like not even close to trying to be scary. I should ask the one person in my life I know that studied Latin in college to tell me if it is good Latin. I feel like that's a good way to lose a friend is to make them watch this movie. Nah, nah, she'd be about it because she's a good friend. Nice. But yes, that would be terrible. Imagine like you're on a date. You're a Latin major. You're on a date and someone is like, I have this movie I think you would really like. And they turn on the initiation of Sarah and they're like, get it? Because it's, you know, they Oh my God, you studied Latin? Like you should watch this movie? 
so crazy. Oh my God. That's like when you're a history major and people are like, who's your favorite president? You know what's extra whack? Why are they speaking Latin? They're Greek. They should be speaking Greek. Greek organizations are Greek, Alexandra. (laughs) It's Greek life. They should be speaking Greek. Yeah, but they're not Greek in root, you know? I know, but they all have Greek letters. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's a dead language. That's what matters. Maybe it's because people wouldn't recognize ancient Greek. (laughs) That could be. I've I've never seen ancient Greek spoken in film, to my knowledge. I've definitely seen that. I've watched a lot of Greek mythology movies. Percy Jackson. Oh. Surely they say ancient Greek in that. I hope it's Latin and Percy Jackson. I would not put it past the Percy Jackson movies to use Latin. No, you're right. They definitely do use Greek. Okay, I take it back. I, I take it back. It's been a while. Maybe I'm wrong. But every time I hear it, I'm definitely like, why it sound like that? I want to go back to what you were saying, though, about like the sorority dynamics being super whack. Because like, the whole time I was watching this, I was like, why is this the way that it is going? You know, why? first of all, why are there only two sororities? Why are they not rushing yeah. both of them? So there's definitely more than one sorority because that conversation they have in the bathroom with those girls where Sarah says, I'm kind of an expert in, in speaking stuck up bitch or whatever. Yeah. That definitely makes it sound like there's more sororities. So I think now listen, I went to a large public institution that had a formal Greek system. And I know that it is not this way at every other college in the world. But the way that the sorority recruitment here works is that you get to pick which ones you rush. And that is not common in places that have Panhellenic sororities. You have to rush all of them. So I just don't understand (laughs) why someone would like only rush one sorority. First of all, because what if they don't like you? And also, what if you don't like them? You don't know anything about someone from the way their house looks or whatever. I don't know. It just really pissed me off. I was like, why are they only rushing one sorority? Why are some of them only rushing two sororities? Why do these two sororities have beef and no one else has an opinion about them? I don't know. Yes. I would love to know if all the other sororities on campus are also witches and they just are not part of the beef. Or are there only two witch sororities? Definitely there's only two witch sororities because otherwise the other ones would come in in some kind of background role. There would be some sort of like tertiary character if all the other sororities were witchy, then her friend that is like the mind reader one would have rushed another sorority. Yeah, that's fair. The sorority dynamics were whack. Also, how come no one is in charge of PED? I feel like we're really supposed to think that Eugenia Hunter is the president of PED, but that can't be true because she's also a professor. Like, I cannot stress to you enough how much that is not allowed. Maybe it's allowed when you're a witch. No, it's not, is the thing. Like, I just don't... Or like, okay, I could maybe understand if she used her little shapeshift powers to be someone else, but that is the same person. The girls in the sorority call her Dr. Hunter. Like, it's fucked up. It doesn't make any sense. That's true. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't think that this movie paints a good picture of sororities either. There is really no element of female solidarity or sisterhood. She is friends with... Sarah is friends with one girl. She's not even friends with her actual sister for most of the movie. No, for this whole movie, the only reason anyone would join a sorority is for like power, either for magical power or social power. What's driving this whole thing is a need to like have the most, be the most clout. It's a very capitalist movie. It's all about like being the best and surviving the longest and like hoarding all the resources. And I just really don't appreciate I feel like maybe that's why it's reading super masculine to me. But like, it's just all about being the most and the best and like competition that very much is not 
the experience that I have had in all female spaces necessarily. Also, like Alpha Nu particularly is trying to manipulate Lindsay using an idealized body image, which capitalism has created, right? They're like saying, you need to have bigger boobs and bigger hair and better clothes. And then you'll match the Alpha Nu girls and be your best self. And that's why you should come on to Alpha Nu and we'll give you a boob job, you know? I just like, I don't know. I don't really understand. There aren't enough men in this movie for me to feel like there's any sort of commentary about men. Yeah. The only men besides Damien, right? It's just Finn, right? There's just two men in the whole movie. And Finn, his whole thing is just wanting to get with Sarah, right? And he's her RA. But I think he's kind of only her RA as an excuse. Actually, he didn't need to be her RA at all. He could have just been a boy that lives on her hall. He didn't even need to be a year older. The only reason he was a year older was so he could tell them, oh, it's a big deal that you got invited to join PED. They don't always invite people. But they could have had another character do that. Yeah. Damien. (laughs) The the only other non-girl. Here's the thing. I feel like so often movies about sororities have a really excellent opportunity to have more like feminist undertones and commentary. But rather, this movie had a lot to say about instead it was like sexualizing all female spaces and i didn't appreciate that that's really yucky in addition to the virgin stuff and sarah and Lindsay having a really weirdly sexual relationship there's also like at one point trina their not quite stepmom chokes out kareen the president of alpha new with her pearls and as we know from my cousin rachel pearls are a sexual symbol And of course, also the pearls fall on the floor because if there's pearls in the movie, they got to dramatically fall on the floor. For sure. For sure. It was just whack. Yeah, it's there's this very interesting like age dynamic happening with Trina and the younger quote unquote alpha news. They're all way older than college age. Yeah, they're ancient. They've been like draining magic to like stay young, right? They have this fight where like they find out that Trina has been draining Sarah And making it look like she has been attempting suicide, but rather she's been like stealing her blood to make herself younger and like more lively. And then they find out that Sarah is not the one. So she's been using like less effective blood. And then they get in this big fight about how ethical that is. And I'm like, you guys are killing people. It doesn't matter if she was using the wrong blood to like make herself younger. But then apparently because she was just doing that for her and not for like the whole sorority, that's like a violation of some sort of code. So then they kill her or do they not kill her? Whatever. They get her for that. She faces some sort of repercussion for that action. There's an opportunity for some really good discussion about like competing ideas of feminisms between different age groups, but it's not there. It just falls flat. And it's like this silly old lady was too dumb to realize that the girl with no powers was actually the one. And it's like, no, that's a pretty logical conclusion that she jumped to. I don't know. I just felt like so much of this movie was all of the women actually hate each other and they only trust each other because they get something out of it. And women are inherently evil, like all people. And there was not really a lot of space for like community or sisterhood capital S. A hundred percent. I want to go back to what you were saying very briefly about the suicide part. What was that? It did not need to be there. That was bonkers. For like half the movie, Sarah's like, I'm such a little freak. I'm a little freak. And I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with Sarah? And then she kind of has some magic powers. And I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden it's just like, well, you know, because Sarah was hospitalized, she tried to kill herself. And I'm like, girl, yeah, what? I'm sorry. Why was this not built into the exposition? Like this just comes up. Oh, it was built into the exposition a little bit. 
Oh, okay. In the very beginning, she takes off her bracelets and you see oh, self-harm gotcha, gotcha. stars on her wrists. And she like really protects her wrists. Like when Esme tries to touch her bracelets, she like yanks her hands back like they're in danger. Oh, you know what? Yeah, she does do that. I just assumed her bracelets contained her special power. And her stepmom makes a comment about it at, at one point. But what really got me was when Sarah was asking her only friend in the whole movie, why? Like her friend who reads vibes or whatever. Oh, and yeah, later her minds, like intuitive she friend. Was like, she was why like, did why did I do, I do it? that to myself? Like, yeah. Yeah, that was whacked out. And honestly, like no commentary on that. No, <laughs> no not at all. No good moral to pull. Okay, listen, if this were not a made for TV movie, I think I would be a little less harsh on like what we're supposed to take away from it. But I feel like because this is a movie that they played on ABC Family, I feel like there should be some kind of like lesson or like theme, you know? But instead, the theme was yeah. it's hot when girls kiss each other. Also, witches. Witches. Yeah, I don't know like what hour of the day this played, but I have to assume that this is also like daytime TV or at least like a movie that kids could have watched. Yeah, I don't think that anything that played on ABC Family was, like, not daytime TV appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I think the, like, most explicit thing in this movie was, at one point, Dr. Hunter, as Kareen, is in, like, a negligee. But her boobs aren't out. She's not even in a bra. She's just slightly less dressed than yeah. usual. Yeah, it's whack. This movie is whack. Yeah. And for that reason, I gave this movie one star. I also gave this movie one star. Tessa, honestly, didn't even need to be in the movie. She didn't add a lot. That's fair. I think that I would give her two and a half stars Interesting, because like i think that she could have had a sequel and that she could have started her own demon cult but the cast what i'm saying i think is that the cast could have been significantly pared down yeah i think that much of the problem with this movie was either from poor writing or limited budget and you can't really do anything about yeah. limited budget on a made for tv movie so you have to come down to the writing and i feel like if your writing is bad on a made for tv movie why even make the movie because it's going to carry everything, right? So you could have significantly cut down characters and a bunch of other stuff. I don't think Tessa was bad in any way. I mean, she wasn't bad in When a Stranger Calls and I still gave her a two and a half. I'm going to give Tessa three stars in this movie because I feel like she was doing all the right things. I could immediately identify that she was a bad guy and she had a bad sure. guy posture. She was evil. She has an important part there at the end where she walks away still carrying the eternal flame. And she lights the room and on fire. And she lights the room on fire. So I think it's like yeah. three stars for me. Perfectly valid. Yeah. This movie, I cannot caution you enough against watching this movie. First of all, I think you would have a hard time finding it. We sure did. But second of all, just don't do it. Don't put the effort in. Don't watch the movie. Yeah. I'm sure the 1970 whatever one is slightly better. If not, it is at least funny because it was made in 1970. So yeah, I would probably watch that one before I watched this one. There's got to be a reason it deserved a remake, right? It has to have been kind of popular. Or maybe just ABC Family's parent company owned it, the rights to it. That could be so. It was either so good it deserved a remake or so bad it deserved a remake. Good thank read. You. No in yep. between. Couldn't, nope, be couldn't be mid. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this week for this truly, truly terrible movie. We hope that you want to continue listening to this season. If you want to follow us in the meantime on Instagram, we are at Where Do I Know Them From. We post some cool and fun stuff there about the movies from this podcast, but also other stuff that we are watching. And we would love to see you over there. You can also rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice, unless that is Stitcher, in which case you are not even listening to this episode and you're fake for that. Rip, Rip Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> see you all next see week. See you next week. <laughs>